What a great verse. Our sins, they are many. Uh, How true is that? Uh, But his mercy is more. His mercy has the power over sin, to conquer sin. Uh, What great hope. Uh, What a great promise. Well, as we continue in our our study here on... uh, progressive Christianity and in particular uh, the topic or the subject matter of homosexuality uh, and as you're turning back to Romans 1 as reminded this uh, this week we had an opportunity to go on a, on a fun little hike and on the Snoqualmie River and you realize you know hiking in and of itself is kind of a fun thing uh, you can go in the water and swim around at the different pools uh, you can throw things into the water, you can play in the water, you can float the, the river, you can float on an inner tube, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. And the truth is, it's, it's fun, it's a good time, and you enjoy nature, you enjoy God's splendor. But there's something that comes down the, the river on the Snoqualmie River, and that's called the Snoqualmie Falls. And if you could imagine knowing that, okay, we're going to get in our little raft today and we're going to have all this different fun on the river um, and we're just going to take the river as far as it'll go. And your guide or person leading this event knows that there's a waterfall that's coming. And if you stay in this little raft that you're in, you go over the falls, you're all going to die. Don't you think that person should give you a little heads up, a little warning? Okay, at this point here, we all get off, right? In fact, and as you get to the Snoqualmie Falls, you'll see the little buoys and the ropes and the warning that, you know, uh, there's a waterfall here. You need to, to, to get out. But that person in the boat should be the one that would tell you, right? Warning, warning, danger. Uh, this is a, a, a life and death situation. Well, that, that's what we uh, come into when we talk about this issue in particular, like with homosexuality. Again, we're, we're, we're here and, and our number one concern here is, is a rescue mission. It's a warning. Uh, I, I would be very cruel. I would be uh, unloving not to warn people about something that's clearly biblical and to not say anything. Our point here isn't to just, you know, let's bring up a topic that's controversial and spicy. That, that is not our point. Our point is within this topic in particular, especially when we look at the bigger narrative of the progressive Uh, Christian movement, we're reminded that we have to seek what's true. What is right and what is wrong? What is actually true? What is false? What what is righteous? What is unrighteous? And and the only way we're going to find that is, is by reading God's word. God is the only one who clearly understands what real truth is. Otherwise, society will change truth. Laws change. Ideas change. Morality changes within society. It changes culture to culture, country to country. 
So, so that's not fixed. That's not absolute in the world. It is absolute biblically. And within that, there is hope. There's great hope. And we'll, we'll see that. We keep hearing things and, and, and it's happening more and more and more within the church. You know, we just heard recently, you know, a statement that, um, you know, I'm struggling with my Christianity because, you know, I'm not allowed to love the, the LGBT community. Where, where, where's that written? Whoever said that, uh, we, we are not only allowed to love, we're called to love. We're called to, to reach out. Uh, we're, we're, we, we welcome visitors, visitors of all you know, shapes and sizes as visitors. Uh, unrepentant sinners are not members. The, the, they're visitors. And so what happens then is people confuse you know, authentic biblical Christianity with the Christians or the people running around saying they're Christians. Um, that creates a lot of confusion. And so what we continue to see right now is, and I mentioned this before, in a, in a particular with this issue, there's, a, there's this crazy wedge that's being driven into the church. And it's like of all the different topics, why is this one such a, a line of demarcation? You don't see flags out front, you know, the... Uh, you know, the, the saved molesters flags, right? The adulterers flags. Why don't you see those flags out front of churches? It's just another sin. It's just another sin that we need to repent from. It's just another sin that we can be forgiven for. Uh, so why don't we see those flags saying, oh, no, 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 we, we are, you know, the, the, the fraudsters. We, we've, you know, we're all here. We celebrate that in our flags. Uh, no, may it never be. How come I never hear people saying, why can't I, why can't I as a Christian just, just love the molesters? Just love the adulterers? Well, again, we do. That's why we go to prisons. We go to you know, these different places and we serve and we preach and we disciple because we do love them. And people can repent. But we love them so much, we, we don't let them just stay where they're at. And then now we have this wonderful new twist, which is, okay, if you legalize it in the world and you make it okay, well, then it's okay to bring into our schools for, you know, like three-year-olds. And, you know, it's how that has become appropriate is beyond all belief, especially coming from the education spectrum that I've come from. But schools are literally now, literally uh, conducting, you know, parades, literally grooming and coaching, teachers coaching children how to do activities. That's absolutely insane. So again, this isn't a topic that we just decided um, hey, this should be fun. Let's talk about it. No, this is a wedge that's being driven in the world and particularly in the church. And one of the other things that's going to happen that is happening is as Christians, by definition, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, then we are going to be labeled more and more as haters. 
And so, again, we need to understand, first of all, we're not haters. Um, we're, we're called to, to love the LGBTQ community. We're called to love the individuals that are identifying themselves as these things. But we're also called to, to preach the good news to them. Um, just recently, you know, a, a, a Democratic, you know, strategist that goes on all the news medias is, you know, talking about how Florida is actually a terrorist bigot state because of their not wanting to teach homosexuality to, you know, fourth graders. Um, well, that's what's here. That's what's coming even more and more. The other thing is, look, don't, don't be deceived. This is, and this is why we're, we're pulling apart Romans 1. This is a, a demonic spiritual attack. And it comes in steps and stages, okay? Just go back to the original, uh, the original commandment that God gives his people. Uh, when we studied this a, a few years ago, if you remember, God is such an authoritarian He's such a rules God, right? He's so hard and, and, and just, you know, makes us carry the yoke of the bondage of law. That this was the great law that existed on the books. Be fruitful and multiply. <coughs> what a harsh God. Find somebody that you love, marry them, have children, and have more children. That's our harsh God of the Old Testament. Well, it should be of no surprise that from that point forward, Satan has tried to attack that plan, to attack the family, to attack procreation, to attack bloodlines. And so what we see here now is, again, this, it's another assault on not only families, but you think of the family tree. When two people who can't procreate uh, come together, their family dies. Just think about that for a second. It's scary. And then finally, just as a quick introduction, if, if at the end of this, and you know, because we would have had two sermons on this, if, if you still have questions or concerns, please come talk to me. Um, because we want to make sure that as we approach this, that we approach this biblically, we approach this with a loving kindness, right? Uh, with a loving kindness, with, with hope. And so as a quick review, uh, remember we talked about the four truths uh, last week, four truths that, you know, uh, truth number one, people have this feeling. Yeah, people might have a feeling. That feeling might feel like a true feeling. But remember this, everyone's a natural born sinner. So, so we're all starting in a bad feeling position. Our, our flesh rages with crazy burning desires. We have strong, passionate, sinful, wrong, bad feelings. We, we're conceived in that sin. And so, and so we're, we're, we, we true, uh, truly are getting off to a bad start. In fact, in Genesis 6, just before the great flood, Genesis 6, 5, God looks down on the earth and he says, every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was wicked. Every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was wicked. People had bad, evil, wicked feelings. Doesn't make it right. True, they had those feelings, but those feelings don't validate 
truth. Why is that? Well, because the second truth, Scripture is very, very clear that homosexuality is a sin. Um, you know, I mentioned Andy Stanley and, you know, his, his uh, absolutely horrific um, lie from the pit of hell. Here are the clobber verses. They're not clobber verses. They're verses. This is God's word. This is God in the raft directing your life saying, um, danger, beware, don't do this. And this is just one of the topics. But then Andy Stanley, just like, you know, Satan, did God really say that? Did God really say the homosexuality is wrong? Well, yes, he did. Uh, Leviticus 18.22, males are not supposed to lie with other males as they will with the females. Same thing with the females. We see in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, that along with an other list of homosexuality, that unrepentant sin, especially in these areas, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a huge warning. And then we see the, the foundation of what a marriage is supposed to be. Genesis 2, marriage by design is between a man and a woman and to be fruitful and to multiply. And then Ephesians 5 again, uh, in the New Testament being repeated that marriage is between a husband and a wife and there's order and that order has been given by God. Then we saw in the third truth that despite our feelings, our, our, our sinful feelings, despite homosexuality being a sinful thing, God is in the extreme makeover business. This is what God does. He takes those bad feelings. He takes those sinful activities and he can make it over. He can restore it. That's why his, his mercy is greater than our sin. What a beautiful thing. Grace is powerful. Grace leads to victory. We're, we're saved by grace through faith, not of our own. It's a free gift. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2, we're, we're to be transformed the renewing of our minds. We're, we're conformed, not, not, not into the world, but into God's word. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we're now new creatures. We're new creatures in Christ. We're not that old person. Well, I, I felt this way. Not anymore. I did this. Not anymore. You're a new creature. You are, it's John 3.7, born again. You're new. And then Romans 6.14, sin will not be your master. Um, grace is powerful. And then finally, as a fourth truth, that th this is a constant attack by Satan. There's nothing new. Start in the garden. You know, we were reminded last week that the clever Greeks and Romans, they, they even created this, this moral mythology. They created a whole system of moral, uh, you know, uh, uh, myths of pseudo-gods and fake gods and a whole pantheon of, of, of different gods just to create their own system. These are all different satanic attacks to turn our eyes away from God. So things like hedonism, narcissism, you know, eros, chaos. It's just a, 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 an attention to self-indulgence, uh, reckless, immoral sexual behaviors and activities. That, that just stoke up your own flesh. Nothing new. And so we want to continue now on our, our four paths. There's four paths that, that lead to homosexuality. 
The first path is the suppression of truth. The second path, or the second step is futile speculation. The third step is impure lust. And then the fourth step is depraved minds. As we turn back to Romans 1, verse 14, I am under no I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The, the, as, as we push forward in this study, in this chapter, we, we, we have to remember the context that, that righteousness is being revealed here. This is the truth. This is godliness that's being revealed. And Paul is very eager to, to reveal this tr truth to the Romans, to this Roman church. Why? Because this is an issue within this church. We could say the same thing today. This is an issue within our country. Okay, well, what's our goal? What's our purpose? Our goal and our purpose is to eagerly preach the gospel, the good news, that despite the sin, that there can be a forgiveness of that sin. There's been a payment for that sin by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so we, 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 we launch from, from that position. So the first path to homosexuality then, verse 18, we see this suppression of truth. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. See, truth gets pushed down so that unrighteousness gets raised up, right? You push aside righteousness. You, you hide it. You, you know what's right. You know that's why you do it in secret. That's why you do it at night. That's why you don't do it in front of people. You suppress the truth. And, and as you push truth down and raise unrighteousness up, then you embrace it. And it's not as secret anymore. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So last week we, we learned that, that we, we, we hide what we know to be the truth, not a truth, but the truth. How do we know the truth from God's word, the word? Uh, it's not our own interpretation. It's not our own viewpoint. This is what God clearly says. And so truth gets crushed for, well, this is my truth. This is a version of truth. This is what somebody else says versus, no, this is what God says. So the postmodern view then is, no, no, no. I have my truth. The Bible has a different truth. Everything's subjective. This was written 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. Oh, in the Old Testament, that was written four or 5,000 years ago. Um, so there's no real absolutes here. All this can change with, with time, right, and culture. No. See, God says in here, no, no, that which 
can be seen, I've made clearly evident. There's no equivocation. There's no wiggle room here. God is telling us that he says that in the creation of this world, in the invisible things, the things that you can't even see, it's clear to see. Um, that's God telling us. And so it's within our consciousness. And we are fully accountable to that. We're accountable. Ignorance is no excuse for breaking the law. And so there's no excuses. All, you know, we, we can look outside and, and in this, the issue of homosexuality and the issue of, of mating and the issue of coming together. I mean, you could just see what happens in the animal kingdom and make your observations, right? Especially to people who claim that we're all animals, that we're evolved, just evolved. It's like, well, take a look outside what can clearly be seen. How do the bison make more bison? Where do baby bison come from, right? The, the old adage, the birds and the bees, that, that, that's God making clearly evident. It's, it's basic, but that truth has been suppressed and then now replaced by what? Well, futile speculations. Last week we learned about the second step or path to homosexuality is, is futile speculations. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they know God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and foolish. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So, so they know that there's a God. They know that we can't possibly exist here without somebody sustaining the earth. Just ask a farmer who works and toils and sweats and grinds and then has to sit there and totally depend on the sun and totally depend on the rain and totally depend on so many other things. And so he's at the mercy of the Almighty that's going to bless his harvest. So, so they know that there's something else out there. But instead of honoring God, instead of being in awe of God, instead of thanking God, they create new speculations. Well, what about this? Uh, they, they, they start paying lip service. Maybe they, they continue going to church. They continue, you know... Um, calling themselves Christians, but at the end of the day, they really just want to do what they want to do. They want to do it their way. And so they, they go to church and then a, 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 there's a, a new teaching, a new thought. Well, here's a different way of looking at this. Here's a new way of looking at this. This is something that we've never seen before. You start hearing these phrases. Those are called speculations. That's the progressive Christianity. That's the, the lie. And, and, and the irony of ironies, it's like, you know, if you want to go that route, we'll just call it then and call it a different religion and, and rename it. This is how we know that, it, that it's a part of the lie of Satan is, is, is they have to attach and pretend as though, well, I believe in the Bible. Just not this part. 
Well, I believe in, in the Bible, just not all of it. Well, I believe in the Bible. Well, except for, I, I've got a couple ideas. So the speculations then open a door and a pathway to what? To foolishness, <clears throat> to foolish ideas, to, a, to an ideology that in, in following it to its logical conclusion would actually kill the race, right? If you can't breed, you can't have children, then it, the, the line would end. That, that doesn't seem wise. That seems foolish. Uh, professing to be wise, they become fools. They also then exchange the glory of an incorruptible God, and they start making things from images. We talked about this last week, that a man, you watch a man carving a cross or an image, and then the next week you're worshiping that thing, that the guy, you know, you might have been hiking with him. And go, Look at that stone. That's cool. I'm going to carve it into an image and worship it doesn't get any more foolish than that but anything to replace God they, they turn from God God grasping for really self-worship I want to be my own God I want to make my own rules I want to do what I want you'll hear these phrases all the time I want freedom right freedom aka I want to be God you don't tell me what to do You'll hear that when you're talking to people, when you're reaching out to people and you're, you're quoting scripture and they'll look at you and say, you don't tell me what to do. I'm not. God's word is. They'll turn right back to you. you why don't you? They'll, they'll make it personal. They'll make it about you. Anything to detract from God specifically laying out something. Why? Because they want it, their own freedom. They want to speculate. Well, this week, we, we want to anchor in on the last two. The third step to homosexuality is impure lust. So, so there's a suppression of the truth that happens when you push and crush truth down and, and you bring in different ideas, different speculations. How in the world could we possibly do that? Podcasts, books, you know, seminars. I mean, there's so many different ways now that there's new speculations. You, you can't even keep track. Well, the third step then moves into impure lust. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity that their body, their bodies might be dishonored among them for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that, which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burn in their desire toward one another men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. So the first thing we want to address is this is a, a very clear, not graphic, just a very clear statement of, of, of what we're talking about, what homosexuality is. It is a man desiring another man as he would desiring a woman committing then, as God says, indecent acts. These aren't loving acts, 
This is not a new kind of love. And there will be a penalty for their error. You'll hear things like, well, that's your interpretation. It's not my interpretation. It's exactly, literally, specifically what God is detailing here. There, there's no interpretive uh, analysis in the, in the, in the Greek that, that changes the meaning of, of the sentence. So we know what we're dealing with. Well, how do we get there? Well, we got there with suppression of truth, with futile speculations. And then this is what should, should scare us. Therefore, you, you want to suppress the truth. You don't want to read God's word. You don't want to listen to God's word. You don't want to follow God's word. You want to speculate instead with the foolishness of mankind. Well, then you know what? I will allow you to be turned over to your feelings. Remember our feelings that we started with the first truth? Our feelings start by being natural born sinners. Do you really want to be turned over to your feelings? Jeremiah 17, 9, our heart is desperately sick and wicked. I want to be guarded from my feelings. I want to be protected from my feelings. I remember when, you know, my son, Caleb, you know, came to me once and said, well, dad, you, you just don't trust me. No, I don't. It was the hardest and the easiest thing I ever said. I didn't really want to say that to his face because I love him. I love you. I do trust you. No, I don't trust you. I, no, I trust you, but I, I don't trust what's out there. I don't trust what's around. And I, and I don't trust that when tried and tempted by out there, that then you, you will be strong. And so, no, I don't trust you. And then the next phrase of the conversation was, I have to protect you from you. And, and that's the truth, that, that our feelings are, are, are twisted. So the, our, our body, the, the impurities and the immoralities of our own body will, will deceive us, will trick us, will turn on us, and will turn to things that aren't good and aren't moral. One of the underlining and underpinning issues within the homosexual movement is it, 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 it's very... Um, there's no commitment, right? And so if you just think of it at the core of, well, we can see countless verses that talk about, you know, premarital, um, fornication and adultery and you know, all these things that have different offshoots and different variations of how you are to only be in one relationship, one monogamous relationship. They violate that up and down the river all day long. Well, how is that honoring? Um, but when you give in to speculations, I guess those rules don't apply to you. Um, so they trade, they exchange the truth for the lie. Verse 25, there is truth here. And it starts in, in chapter 2. God created a man and a wife. God saw Adam and said it wasn't good for him to be alone. And so he made him a helper. And God said, be fruitful, multiply. And, and from, from Genesis 2, throughout the scriptures, this is the pattern. This is the truth. This is the, the source of, of joy and contentment. 
everything else then becomes the lie. And so instead of worshiping the creator, how do we worship the creator? We follow him. We listen to him. We obey him. We don't obey other people, other creatures, humanity. No. And so God, verse 26, gives them over to their own lusts. If this is what you want, well, then you get it. You can, you can have it. It's, it's all yours. And so we see that there's a, a, a natural function. And again, we can see that in the, the animal kingdom. We, we know that men, that secular men, that worldly men, that ungodly men understand this. You go to and ask any conservationist and the people who want to protect life and breed. And, you know, if you, you know, want to want to start a habitat for alligators or bison or whatever, you get a mom alligator and a daddy alligator and you make sure that they get together, right? It's not complicated. Um, the world knows what natural is. They know, but then they want to pretend. The world knows that, you know what, if we want to reproduce and have a baby, then we need a, a female. Why? Because a female is the only part of the species that has a reproductive system. Things like, you know, ovaries, fallopian tubes, the uterus, you know, cervix, even mammary glands to feed the baby when the baby's born. This is natural. This is self-evident. But God turns them over to their unnatural functions. And so homosexualized and impure feeling, it's, it's a pursuit of, of lust. It's going back to that hedonistic, narcissistic pursuit of the erotic, the pleasure. And you know what? Once you go down that path and start down that road, you just can't get enough. It, it's a vicious cycle. It's not enough. It becomes a game. It's very, very sad. The kids nowadays call it a body count and they're proud of it. Very sad. Well, the fourth path to homosexuality then is we, we've gone from suppressing the truth, bringing in new speculations that leads to a turning over, which is an unleashing of your impure lust. Well, the next step in the final phase is the, the mind becomes completely and totally depraved. Verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. He gives them over to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. Those who practice such things are worthy of eternal death. They 
not only do the same, but also give heartily approval to those who practice them. And so the depraved mind doesn't honor God. Doesn't honor God. It's, it's given over to this, this counterfeit lifestyle. A, a counterfeit lifestyle that, that looks at, and you look at this list, and, and all these things actually become the things that the world pursues with gusto. I mean, just look at some of these things. You know, greed. Right? There was a movie, Greed is Good. Right? Greed is listed here as something that comes from a depraved mind and is not proper. Uh, what about strife? What do you think the whole social media is made of? It's all about strife. Argue, 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 debate, debate, debate. That's a good thing. The more likes I get from showing the world how much I dislike and am in strife with somebody else, the more popular I am. Um, what about disobeying your parents? Wow. Well, I'm an adult. They don't know anything. I mean, you, you think about the, the craziest concept, the person who, if, if you could ask for anything, if you had a genie, one of your wishes would, would definitely be, just give me somebody who protects me, who loves me, who, who will, is there for me, who roots for me, who encourages. It's like, yeah, it's called a parent. And, and then the, the kids in response to this don't want to listen to them when they're in the boat going down the river and say, hey, we need to get out now because if we're going to keep going, we're going to go off the cliff and die. No, 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 no. I've, I've, I've heard we can make it. Um, but see, the world embraces these things, repackages them, and, and, and twists the minds of people. So, so these things are now good. Gossiping's okay. Gossiping, what's the big deal, right? Being arrogant, you should be prouder. Um, you should, you know, be more boastful. Inventors of evil. But here's the kicker. Did you notice what it didn't say here? The topic is a pathway to homosexuality. Homosexuality is not the unforgivable sin. And it's definitely not the only sin. And it's definitely not the worst sin and the only sin of deprived minds. Let's check this again. Starting at verse 29, unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. So before you think that you're off the hook, that I'm off the hook, that this is just bash the homosexuals time. It's not. It's a wake up call for all of us. It just so happens that in Romans 1, one of the issues in this area and in the Roman church happens to be one of homosexuality. Just like in Galatians, it was one of circumcision and the law. So whenever the Bible is speaking to a church, it usually has, okay, in your area, here's something a little bit more specific. And that's what's true in the case of the Romans. It's homosexuality when it says, look, 
Here, here's the, a pathway to a depraved mind. The pathway to a depraved mind is suppression of truth, futile speculations. It'll lead you to impure lust, the turning over from God, right? And then because your mind is so warped and twisted, you will start doing things like, and we see the list of things that are improper. One of them, including, is homosexuality. And then the twist is, why then are we in a progressive Christian state saying, well, actually, we still hold true that these things are bad, but not homosexuality. So we got two sides that, that both see this the wrong way. One side wants to only look at homosexuality. The other side wants to exclude them. And still, I guess, for some reason, we're going to consider these, some of these things wrong. It's like a buffet line. Well, I tend to, you know, gossip a lot. So that's not as bad as where, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Murder. Yeah. Whew, that was a close one. Whew, okay. I didn't do that one. It's important for us to understand that, that we need to, to understand God's heart is for going back to verse eight for righteousness. We want to be righteous. So roll it back. We don't want to suppress truth. We want to embrace it. We, we want to see what God's word says, follow God's word. And, and we may not fully understand and comprehend. It, it may be hard for us to comprehend. I don't know why these two people, you know, have feelings for each other. I don't, I don't get it. I know them personally. I can see the, the, earnest feelings. We've addressed that. Just because the feelings are earnest and true doesn't mean they're good. That they're still biblical truth sinful. They still need to be repented. They can have victory over that sin. Just like all the people who were practicing wickedness and greed and strife and all that have victory over their sin too. Same, same game, same ball. It's like eggs, right? got all these eggs in a, in a carton and every egg is different sin and we want to play the game well which one's worse than the other one it's, it's not a better or worse thing now there's different consequences for sure totally different consequences and and that's something that we we just have to understand that look we can have sin and God can remove the sin from our life but some of the scars from that sin stay. Some of those scars are deep. Some of those scars are, are long. And so we want to eliminate as many scars as we possibly can. But let us understand when you reject God, when you reject God and God then turns you over to your own mind, to your own devices, to your own freedom, well, bad things happen. One of those is in the, the relationship that God has designed for, for mankind between a husband and a wife to enjoy one another physically, to enjoy one another in family. That gets violated. One, one of the examples that we see in, in, in this ultimate freedom, nobody, nobody packages it this way, but we don't have a homeless problem. We have a freedom problem. We, we have houses, we have buildings, we have tents. 
People can live in structures. We have a group of people who've been turned over to their ultimate freedom to do what they want. And in the increase of doing what they want, things get bad real fast. And then a, a combination and an avalanche of bad happens and is heaped upon them to where by the time we see them on the streets, we're really far down the road. But it, it most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time begins with the freedom. I want to do what I want. A kid leaves home when he's 15. Um, somebody just abandoning life. It's a lot of different ways. Well, just wrapping this up, look, sin is sin's not cute. It's not sophisticated. It's not a, a cultural advancement. I don't care if it's gossip or if it's homosexuality. Um, with homosexuality, again, I can bring up these issues with most people and we're still going to be friends and you're not going to hate me. If I tell somebody that they can't continue practicing homosexuality, now all of a sudden there's a division, right? There's, there's a, a, a backlash to the, to the messenger. Look, Luke 12, 51 says, Jesus did not come to unite and bring peace. How's that for a shocking verse? Most people don't memorize that verse, right? Why, why is that there? Because the statement of the, of the truth is that when, when truth is told, when Jesus calls people to repent, they don't like it. They fight it. They rebel against it. They don't want to talk to you anymore. And so we need to put on that heart of loving kindness and compassion and get ready because chances are they're not going to like what you have to say. As true as it might be, as loving as it might be, warning them from the, the death and the destruction that's, all, that's, that's coming. So truth divides. One of the other things is we don't see in the New Testament the Greek word for tolerance because there is no tolerance. It's black and white. This is right. This is wrong. This is sin. Don't do it. And so we're called to, to not tolerate sin, but to lovingly walk people through it. I love you so much. I want to protect you from it in an honest and loving way. Our fight then is not against people. That's why we can clear, clearly say, look, we, yeah, we're, we're not called to not love the LGBTQ community or individuals. Uh, no, we're, we're called to, to love people, but fight evil. Now, the political machine of it, well, that's a different story now, isn't it? That's clearly a different thing. But more importantly, there's hope. And, and I think what bothers, if there's anything that bothers me in this, in this topic is the idea that, that, that I'm born this way, I can't change, this is who I am in the way, it completely undermines and doesn't understand the gospel, doesn't understand that God has the power to transform people. We, we could write a list in this room of the sinful things that we've done. And homosexuality wouldn't be the worst thing. But, but the beauty of Christianity, the testimony, the story is this is how 
Christ has transformed my life. Praise be to God. And God gets the glory and God gets the honor in the transformation. And, and what this movement is attempting to do is, is to eliminate that. Well, that, that, that's, that's not a problem. Embrace it. Accept it. So, so Satan then is stealing even this, this rejoicing and this hope because you know what? There is no condemnation in Christ. Romans 8, 1, 1 through 2. Jesus can and will set you free. It's beautiful. 1 Corinthians 10.13 encourages us. There's, there's no temptation that's too great that we can't handle. Every single person in this room will or has or is and will struggle from the temptation of lust in one way, shape, or form. And so... None of us then have the excuse. Well, I feel this way. It's the way I feel. Except in this one category for some crazy reason. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And so Philippians 3, 13 through 14, again, encourages us. Look, these feelings, these struggles, these sinful activities, the scars, the ramifications, the consequences, yes, they're hard, but you know what? I press on. I move forward to what lies ahead for the prize. There is a prize. It's heaven. It's over there. I'm forgetting the past. I'm reborn. I'm a new creature. I'm born again. I'm leaving that aside. I'm going forward. That's the power of the cross. And to deny that power is to deny Christ. And so we need to have compassion. We need to be kind and gentle and loving. We need to welcome visitors. We need to bring them in. We need to be friends with them. But in a biblical love, patiently, kindly, we need to call them to repentance just like we do every other topic and every other subject. Romans 6 kind of summarizes it this way. Romans 6, 1 through 18. Well, what shall we say then? Because this is the real argument. The real argument is, well, let's just, let's just accept it. Let's just move on. Let's just embrace it. What shall we say there? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? See, so we take the song and we, we abuse the principle. Your sin is great, but his mercy is greater. So keep sinning and you'll keep seeing his mercy getting greater. That is not what the scripture teaches in totality. If you love me, you keep my commandments. You will show fruit. And so, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. No. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ may be raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self 
was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died freed us from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But that life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. It doesn't matter what kind of sin that is. All sin, any sin, whatever sin, you don't obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members are as instruments of righteousness to God. We're called to righteous living, to holiness. Verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Every sin, any sin can be forgiven. That's why Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. What then? Shall we sin because we are under the law? We're not under the law, but under grace? No, may it never be. Do you not know that when you are present, when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you are obeying, either of sin resulting in death or disobedience result, obedience resulting in righteousness. So look, you're, you're a slave to the one you're following. And if you're following sin, the end result is death. That's why this is a rescue issue. And there's some sins that are easier to see than others, no doubt. But, but we're called to encourage one another to obedience, which results in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves, were past tense slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you are committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now look. It's not easy. It's a process. It doesn't happen like that. It's a process. It's a fight. So we all can look at the Romans 1 list and find several things that we're struggling with. We don't accept it. We fight it. We fight that sin. Why? Because we're slaves to the one, to the master that we follow. And we repent and we find people that keep us accountable to help us repent, to help us stay away from help, to help us to avoid the stumbling blocks. But we don't embrace it. We don't repackage it and just say, well, that one, eh, that's different. It's not different. In fact, if anything, it's one of the examples specifically used in Romans 1 to explain how, how a deprived mind gets turned over such to an extent that this is the end result. We have to be careful and on guard because our identity, our identity is now in Christ. Our identity, our flag is the cross. We don't have a bunch of different flags of who we were. We are in Christ, saved by his 
magnificent grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the, the release of the bondage of sin. We are indebted to you now and forever and always because of your loving kindness. We know, Lord, that there is no sin that is unforgivable on this list. Lord, we know that you love homosexuals. You died for homosexuals and adulterers and fornicators. And the list goes on. And so, Lord, we love sinners too. But we don't love the sin. We don't continue in the sin. We don't rejoice in the sin. Lord, Lord, we want to be slaves of righteousness. And so help us and help us to help each other as iron sharpens iron. We give praise in Jesus' name. Amen.